Proverbs 28 and verse 12. Proverbs 28 verse 12. Hallelujah. We're working it. Just pull it back. I don't know, pull it back. Just a little, little bit of tenderness out of that. Hallelujah. I like the volume. Just to pull the little tenderness out. Thank you. Proverbs 28 verse 12. Just one verse. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. You got it? Okay, let's all read together. Ready, read. When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. All right, I want to read part A again only. Ready, read. When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. I want to talk today on creating an atmosphere of glory, creating an atmosphere of glory. Father God, thank you today for the word. I pray that God, each person is ready to receive the word of God, that God, we know how to give ourselves to the word, that we, Lord, we are careful, we take heed how we hear. We're going to rejoice over the word. We're going to glorify the word, and we're going to let this word penetrate our hearts. This implanted word, we receive it with meekness, knowing it's able to save our souls God, let your word do in us what you sent it to do in this place today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. amen. And amen. All right, take your seats. Creating an atmosphere of glory. I talked to you for the, uh, now let me just back up real quick. We had a great time over the last week, last Sunday, last Wednesday night. Amen. Come on, give God a hand for that. Wow. What a powerful time we had. These great, two great men of God, Bishop Craig Oliver came in on last Sunday, amen, talking about uh, conquering complacency, amen. And then uh, this past Wednesday, uh, Reverend Dr. Brian Kenneth Brown came in and talked about 25 years later, amen. And uh, what powerful words. And uh, if I were in a, hosting a, a preacher's or teacher's class, I would say to you all, what you saw was precision uh, in butchering the word of God. When I, I, don't, I don't mean butchering in a bad sense. I mean in the proper sense. The Bible says, rightly divide the word. You saw, you, you, we sat in a master class over the last uh, two services on uh, men who knew how to rightly divide the word of God and pull all the revelation out of it. Amen. And uh, they, they know how to get the butter from the duck when it comes to the word of God. Amen. And we are blessed by that. Praise God. Now, before that, I was ministering to you on a subject to two services called how to behave in church. Right. How to behave in church. So uh, the and the uh, add on to that. So you don't miss what God is doing. Remember, I told you, number one is you give yourself to the word. Did y'all forget that? Number one, you give yourself to the word. Right. That means don't let yourself go to sleep. You shake yourself, you arouse yourself, stir yourself, you feel yourself about to, about to go to sleep, you lean up, you sit up, scooch to the edge of your chair, whatever you got to do, you just got to, because the devil wants to get you to shut down right now. All that shout we've been doing for the last hour and a half, he wants to get you to shout, to shut down right now so you miss what God is saying. Amen? Then we said, not only do you give yourself to the word, but you have to also uh, lose yourself in praise and worship. We're doing pretty good at that. Many of us. Not all of us, but many of us are doing pretty good, pretty well at uh, losing ourselves in praise and worship. I talked to you about something called Kairos Moments. Y'all remember that? And in Kairos Moments, I gave you uh, my 
uh, description, I don't want to call it a definition, my description of this, it's, it's opportune times uh, for you and me to react or respond to divine movements. Opportune times for you and me to react or respond to divine movements. So God is moving in the earth, and he's moving right now, right? Now, some Kairos moments I told you uh, in, 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 no, no, in, different, in a different way, they are, they are those times that God establishes when he is fulfilling his purposes and plans in the earth. In other words, God has what's called set times or, or appointed times. Uh, you and I, for example, uh, you and I, if we hear the vision, the uh, uh, wisdom of God, in a, in that he gives us a vision of the future, uh, you and I can't, can't make adjustments to that time. There's a set time God has for it. Uh, the Bible says that, that Jesus Christ was born in the fullness of time. There's a set time. The Bible talks about the coming day, the set time of the Gentiles. When the gen, the gen, time of the Gentiles has fully come. So there, there's a, God has a set time for things to happen. Uh, and in those moments, you can't adjust. But there are other things when you're working your faith and believing God for things that you and I can step over and create our own Kairos moments. Do y'all remember that? How many of y'all remember I, I talked about that? That we create our own Kairos moments because you and I can work our, our faith and get God to move at the, right, at, at the time we need him to move. I need you to hear me, that you and I can connect and intersect with heaven to get God to move uh, in a time when we need him to move. There's a story in, in the book of Matthew chapter 15, I, I want to run through it real quick, Matthew 15, 21 through 28, there's a story of this, uh, this Syrophoenician woman, this Greek woman, this Canaanite woman. Who came to Jesus Christ, her issue was, Sister Laquanda was, uh, her, her child, her daughter was vexed with a devil. Her daughter had a devil. Her daughter, I don't know how the devil was manifesting, whether she was being promiscuous, whether she was being uh, uh, rebellious, whether she was cussing folk out, cutting people, whether she was cutting herself. We don't know if she was suicidal, depressed, anxious. We don't know what, what was happening, but all we know was this woman's daughter was vexed with a devil. Now, remember what I said. She's a Syrophoenician or a Canaanite or a Gentile woman, which means she's not Jewish. So she comes, the Bible says, he went out from there, departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon, and behold, a woman of Canaan came from the region and from that region. So she's a Canaanite woman, okay? And cried out to him, saying, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Have mercy on me. We're going through it. My daughter's going through it, but it's affecting me, too. How many of y'all parents have been affected by your children's foolishness? She said, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. Have mercy on me. Now watch this, verse, verse 23, but he answered her not a word. He, didn't, he ignored her. Who did Jesus think he is just ignoring somebody? Isn't that, that's not courteous, that's not kind, that's not mannerable. But the Bible says he, he answered her not a word. Now we'll see why in a moment. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, send her away, for she cries out after us. First of all, guys, uh, she wasn't talking to y'all. Uh, I, I know, I know y'all with the man, but you, you're not the man. You're with him, but you're not him. I, I'm him. Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered them. Now, he's still not talking to her. He answered them and said, you know, it doesn't say them, but the implication is he's talking to them. And he answered and said, I was not sent except to the what? Lost sheep 
So notice he's saying the reason why I didn't answer her, the reason I didn't acknowledge her was because I'm not sent to her, which means it's not her time. There's coming a time later on. Because remember Jesus Christ also said in other places, he said, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. So there's coming a time for the Gentiles, but he said, I can't deal with her right now because it's not her time. She's trying to get me to operate out of her time and my time. There's a set time, she, he's saying, for the Gentiles. And he says, I'm not come. I can't go to anybody but, but her, but, but to the uh, Israelites. Then she came, watch this, I'm talking about creating your own moment. I'm talking about you reconfiguring time. Then your own Kairos moment. I'm talking about you creating an atmosphere for glory. She came and worshipped him. I may not be a Jew, but I know how to worship. I may not, I know the way, I know the way to a man's heart. I know how to get your attention. I'm not in the family and it's not my time, but I know if I worship, you have to at least acknowledge because you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. And, 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 and I, I may not be in the family yet, but uh, I recognize that you are worthy of worship. And so she came and she worshiped him saying, her worship included a request. So notice your worship can include requests to God. Because when you say, Lord, help me, you're saying, Lord, I can't do this by myself. Lord, I need your help. Lord, hide me behind that mountain where the chilly winds don't blow. <laughs> Something happens when I call your name, Jesus. She said, Lord, help me. She came and she worshiped. So notice now, notice this now, Lawanda, that she came and she worshiped. And notice, but he answered and said, now he's, he's not talking to the boys. Her worship got an audience with Jesus. She was in his presence, but she didn't have his audience. You miss it. Let me, let, me, let me put it in, in easier terms. She was in his atmosphere but didn't have his attention. And there are some of you who will come to church every Sunday, every Wednesday, and be in his atmosphere and never personally gain his attention because you're watching while we worship. You can't afford to come here and watch while we worship. If you're going to do that, watch online. But if you're going to be here, matter of fact, if you're online, you can't watch while we worship. Because you can try to get this atmosphere, but if you don't get his attention, you'll never get your answer. The answer for you will not come until you get his attention. So she came and she worshipped him. Lord, help me. But he answered and said, now he's talking to her. Because at least you got his attention. It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And I went, ah. Now, he's not trying to be rude or to belittle or to demean her. Remember, he had already told, her, told his boys that I'm not sent to anyone except the lost sheep of the house of Israel. 
So the lost sheep of the house of Israel, that the healing is their bread. That's where we get the phrase, healing is the children's bread. Healing belongs to God's people. She was not considered one of God's people. So then he comes and says, uh, it's not good to take the little children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. These people, uh, Canaanites, Syrophoenicians, they were of, of mixed breed. And so I can't, I can't, uh, they, they were considered to the Jews as, as a race, uh, dogs. Now don't, don't, don't get mad about that. Some of y'all get quick racist tendencies. This is, this is, uh, all right, I'm not going to stay on that. But she said, because her worship has allowed her to tap into a vein with heaven. This is why Peter was able to respond to Jesus Christ when Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they said, some say you are Elias, Jeremiah, John the Baptist. But who do you say? Well, you are Jesus Christ, the son of the living God. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. So because she worshiped Jesus, heaven gave her a response. Y'all better catch this. If you will start worshiping God like you're supposed to, heaven will give you an answer to every situation that you're dealing with. Heaven will give you a response to every demonic rebuttal you may come up against. And she said, yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Well, I, I, can't, I can't deny that. He said, I, I, I can't deny truth. And he answered and said to her, oh, woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed later on when the Gentiles came in. When? From that very hour, which means she took a futuristic event, pulled it into her now. Matter of fact, this is how it is theologically. She reached around the cross. back round the cross into her now. What would have been a time set by God, she brought that time in the future into her now. That's why I'm telling you, if you will learn to worship God, if you will learn to praise God, you create an atmosphere for the glory of God that what the devil wants to hold you down for five and 10 and 15 and make you wait 20 years on a manifestation, God said, no, if you worship me, I'll take it and give it to you right now and the devil in hell, no, your mama can stop what God wants to do, what God wants to put, what God wants to bring into your life. I want it in my now. I want it in my now. I want it in my now and I receive it now. Please be seated. Her worship created an atmosphere for the glory of God. Psalm 22 verse 3 says, but you are holy, enthroned 
in the praises of Israel. The King James Version puts it this way. Thou inhabitest the praises. What does it mean to inhabit? It means to dwell in. It means to live in. It means to take up residence in. So God, we know God lives in heaven. Matthew 6, Jesus said, pray this way, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. So we know our Father is in heaven. But when you worship, you give God an Airbnb to come. Oh, man. You, 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 you give God a vacation home. Ah, uh, y'all don't like that. <laughs> I, I believe one day I'm going to have homes in multiple places, multiple regions. I'm going to come back on this side. I believe one day I'm going to have homes in multiple regions. Well, every time, doesn't your Bible say that you and I are the temples of the living God? God lives in heaven, yet you and I are his temples. And if we want God to come and dwell in his temple, you and I have to create an atmosphere, a habitation of visitation. Now, I don't know why God has us on this thing about praise and worship for so long because I, I thought y'all knew how to praise and worship, but I guess God's taking us to a higher dimension, a higher degree on this praise and worship because he wants us to give him a permanent habitation, a place because I believe God wants to wreck this church and wreck your life and wreck this city and turn things upside down, right side up, and bring your cousin and your family and your lost loved ones and everyone into the kingdom of God. But we got to give them a place to dwell. So he inhabits. The praises of Israel. So I talked to you. I gave you a few pointers about praise. You remember this. I told you you got to praise openly. It says you got to praise openly. For all you people who are shy, you got to praise openly. Psalm 35 verse 18 says, I will give you thanks. In the great assembly, I will praise you among So it is, it is appropriate and expected that you and I praise God openly in front of people. You got to put your little, your little, your little uh, personality and your little shyness to the side. You, God, wants you to praise openly. I, I watched a, a quite a bit of football yesterday, Deacon. I saw folk, when their team scored, they didn't mind going crazy. They didn't mind being out in the open with their praise of their favorite star. And you and I serving the Lord Jesus Christ, you and I need to know that when I get in the presence of God and his people, I'm going to praise God openly. And don't tell me no such a lie about you praising God at home and you going crazy at home if you can't do it here. Don't tell me no such a lie. You're lying and your pants on fire. And your breath stay. Praise forcefully. Praise forcefully. 
you got to force yourself to praise. Which implies there'll be times you and I don't feel like praising. So Psalm 103 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me, bless his holy name. In other words, the, 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 the understanding there is you're telling yourself to praise God. Because there'll be times you don't feel like praising God. Your body don't feel like it. Your mind don't feel like it. You, you got things, you're thinking about things the devil's trying to put in your brain. And you got to say, no, I came to praise God. No, and when you're at home, I'm, I'm going to praise God. And when I'm at work, I'm going to praise God. When I'm, when I'm in my car, I'm going to praise God. I'm going to force myself to praise God. When somebody does me wrong, I'm still going to praise God. When I get bad news, I'm still going to praise God. When I get a bad text or a bad phone call, I'm still going to praise God. I don't feel like it, but I'm going to praise God because he deserves all the glory and the honor. So I praise forcefully. Number three, I told you you got to praise expressively. This is all review now. But I had a week off. Praise expressively. Praise expressively. Psalm 134 verse 2 says, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Those are expressive terms. Lifting up your hands. It's amazing when I, I sometimes I turn around and I, I'm looking at the people that's enjoying the praise and worship and, and I see people that, they say, the praise team say, come on, lift your hands and people just Hold your hands down. Just lift your, lift your hands. How hard is that? I know one of St. Pete's finest came and put a gun to your head and said, look, put your hands up. Matter of fact, one of St. Pete's worst came out the hood on you and told you to, you know, we call them Jack Man, the Jack Man. You have no problem putting your hands up, y'all. All your arthritis be healed instantly. You're like, oh, wow. <laughs> Lift up your hands and bless the Lord. Then I said, praise loudly. Praise what? Loudly. Praise what? Loudly. loudly. Psalm 98 verse 4 says, shout joyfully to the Lord. All the earth. Break forth in song, rejoice, and sing praises. So there's God expects a loud praise. So when people come in and they say this church too loud, well, you gotta find go to this 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 20,000 other church you can go to. It's gonna have quiet right around the corner. There's gonna be all sedated and quiet, sanctified. But in this house, it might get loud. Now, I gave you this because there were three prophetic statements that came out of Psalm 67. As to what happens when you and I praise this way. Psalm 67, verse 3 through 7. Said, let the peoples praise you, O God, and all the peoples praise you. Keep going. Oh, let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you shall judge the people righteously and govern the nations on earth. Selah. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Then the earth shall yield her increase. God, our own God, shall bless us. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the earth shall fear him. So I gave you three prophetic statements that came out of that. You remember what they were? Number one was what? Say, judgment's in my favor. Most of y'all forgot that already. 
judgments in my favor. That means God turning some things around, some things that the enemy had put a, uh, set against you. God said, I'm turning them around in your life. Judgments in your favor. Number two, number two, increase in my fields. God bringing the increase. Oh, Lord. God bringing the increase. I was thinking the other day, I was walking and dealing some things in my, in, in my landscaping at, at home about how I like things automatic. I like, I like the automatic sprinklers. I like the automatic lights. and I like things automatic that once you set it, it just, it operates by itself. I like, how many of y'all like that kind of automatic stuff? You don't have to think about it. And, and instantly when I thought about that, the, the word came to me about how God told the children of Israel when they're going into the Canaan land, he said the land that you left was a land that you had to water by foot. You had to manually do everything. But he said the land I'm taking you to is a land that's going to drink the water from heaven. In other words, saying you're about to go from manual to automatic. Where you had to labor and work and toil to make things produce. God said, the place I'm taking you, tell your neighbor, God's taking you somewhere. And where God's taking you to is a place where it's going to come automatically. The blessing of the Lord brings wealth to you. Anybody ready to receive some automatic income, some automatic increase, some automatic? That's what God said. The place you left is a place you had to do everything by foot. You had to go out every morning and make things happen. But he said, where I'm taking you, it's going to be automatic. All right? And number three I gave you was blessings on your family. How many of y'all want some blessings on your family? The pastor, are you telling me? That praising the Lord, just praising and worshiping God can shift the atmosphere? Are you telling me that just praising and worshiping God can change the conditions in my life, in my family, in my marriage, in my home, in my business, in my career? In my church, in my community, in my city? Are you telling me that praise and worship can do all that? Yes! Yes! It's got to be more to it than that, Pastor. Well, there are more, more things that God might have you do, but I'm telling you, your baseline is right here because it's found in Proverbs 28, verse 12. Did you forget that already? No. Did you get what we read at the top of the, top of the hour? No. Somebody seeing it. When the righteous... <laughs> oh, well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find. Okay, I see some back there. When the righteous rejoice... You've been reading this every month for the last 12, 13 years. When the righteous rejoice, there is. When is. Y'all missed it. Remember, I talked to you about some Kairos moments God sets. Other Kairos moments you can create. When is. 
Win. Okay. Notice this, it doesn't say where. It says when. So it's not talking about a location. It's talking about time. But whenever you do it, glory comes on location. When there is. When what? When the righteous complain and murmur and grumble and talk bad and talk negative and talk down and cry and lay down eat you a quarter hogging dolls because you're crying in your ice cream Call somebody to tell them what you're going through. Your Bible says when the righteous rejoice, when the righteous react with joy, there is great glory. Elder Baker, that what you and I in this church, you and I, all of us, have the ability to do that we must do from here on out is set our corporate spiritual climate thermostat on glory. I don't know if y'all I, I, I don't know if y'all are rocking with me today. In other words, when, when you enter a room, you want the, you want the temperature in the room to, to, to come up or down to where you're comfortable. If you walk in a room and it's too cold, you, you turn the temperature, the thermostat up because you want to raise the temperature to somewhere more comfortable. If you walk in and it's too hot, like, like I usually feel in here, turn it down because I want it, I want it to get to a place where I, I can flow. Now, the thermostat doesn't tell me what to do. I tell a thermostat what to do. The thermostat doesn't choose the temperature for me. I tell a thermostat, here's what I want it set on. And I believe you and I have the ability corporately, and I'm going to add to this individually, wherever and whenever we want, to set our personal or corporate thermostat on glory. Now watch this. When you set a thermostat on an HVAC unit, heating, ventilation, air conditioning, when you set your thermostat, that system kicks in and begins to work and it won't stop until it arrives at your desired setting. So when you and I 
in our soul, in our spirits, actually set out the thermostat for my home. Y'all missing it. The thermostat for your business. In other words, where do you need the glory? Where, where, where I'm asking you, where I'm asking you, where do you need where do you need this glory? Where do you need this power? Where do you need this goodness? Where do you need God's stuff? Where do you need it? Because wherever you are, if you set your thermostat there on glory, then some the system has to start kicking in. What's the system? I'm glad you asked. It's called rejoicing. It's right there in the text. When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. Woo-wee. Now, now can, I, can, I, can we walk it down real quick? Y'all wake up, wake up, wake up. You need this? You need this? Come on, sit up, sit up. Stand up, run around, whatever you got to do. Because you need this. The word rejoice comes from the Hebrew word alats. Alats. Watch what it means. To rejoice, it means to exalt. The word exalt means to feel or show triumphant elation or jubilation. Y'all missed it. To feel or show. Now it doesn't matter what's going on. It's you feel or you show. Triumphant elation or jubilation. Now, what you need this the most is when the things are, are coming against you and things are working against you and things don't feel like you. You need to show something different. And it's hard to do. It's hard. It's hard when you got pain, and I, I know it myself. But you got to, okay, force yourself. Okay, praise God. God, you are good. God, you are good. God, you are good. I gotta rejoice. I got, I got the word, the word rejoice literally means to react with joy. I got to react with joy. I got to react with joy. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. It's the, the word alats is a primitive root. Look at what it means. To jump for joy. So if you want great glory, you might have to jump for joy. See, I know most of y'all said that that's crazy. I ain't doing all that. Okay, just you just stay, just keep your thermostat where you want it. But that's a me in my house. That's a me in my ministry. That's a me in my business. That's a me in my family. I want this glory. I want this glory in my house. I want this glory in my family. I want this glory in my life. I want, I want this glory. And if I gotta jump for it. I'm going to jump for it. It means to jump for joy. Please be seated. Please be seated. Please be seated. That, that was your chance. You get, you, wins. It's win. 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 To be joyful, to rejoice, to triumph. 
So there are some translations you'll read where it says, when the righteous triumph, there is great glory. Some, some will say, when the righteous are successful, there is great glory. But, but the King James, the New King James, spell it out this way, based on the, on, on, the, on the Hebrew, that when the righteous rejoice, when you react with joy, when you are when you are jubilant, when you are cheerful, when you are excited, when you literally jumped for joy. I told you, you can set it on, 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 on glory, but your system got to kick in. It's got to work. It's got to work. Last week, we found out when we were, we were kind of hot in here last Sunday, Sunday morning on this, this part of the church. And uh, came in here Tuesday for work, and it was hot. And fortunately, they had called our, our uh, uh, HVAC company that we use and came and they found out that our, in, our uh, motor had gone bad in, in the unit back there. And so the, since the motor was bad, it didn't matter what we set it on. It wouldn't work. Some of y'all, your motor's bad. You might need to switch out your motor. Put a new motor in there because you can't keep setting on glory and get nothing. The reason you keep getting nothing is because, because you you setting it, but you're not you're not doing nothing. You're, you gotta get your motor running. You gotta get your motor running. And sometimes to get your motor, you just gotta start waving and leaping and clapping and rejoicing and turning around and what am I doing? I'm getting my motor running. And eventually, it's gonna bring the temperature. To glory. I, 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 I had a hard time getting my motor running. You don't want to charge your motor. The praise team can't start your motor. Musicians can't start your motor. This open, expressive, and loud rejoicing is the appropriate reaction to our experience and our expectation from the, of the goodness of God. So I'm supposed to rejoice. Remember when Hannah got her victory in 1 Samuel 2? Hannah had been wanting a child. Penina, the other woman, was mocking her because she couldn't have a child, and God finally gave her a child. She made a vow to God, and God answered that vow and answered her prayer. She got a child, and in 1 Samuel 2, verse 1, it says, And Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord. Come on, read it with me. My heart us because if you don't start rejoicing, your enemy's going to keep getting the best of you. They're going to keep pushing your button. They're going to keep knocking you down. But if you can start rejoicing in your salvation, even when your enemy's coming against you like a flood, the Lord will lift a standard against him. You're going to smile. Ha, ha, ha. I see you. You don't bother me. You don't get to me. You ain't going to get my goose. You ain't going to pull my chain this week. No, I have my salvation. I have my victory. I have my glory. You ain't going to get me down. I'm keeping my thermostat set on glory. Because you're going to have enemies. And they're going to keep showing up. But I smile high. How you like me now? Come on, say it. How you like me now? I know that may be nice, but you got to practice saying that. Some of your enemies, they're going to really, really get in your face. You're going to say, how you like me now? You didn't think I could. How you like me now? 
You didn't think I was going to make it. How you like me now? You didn't think I was going to ever have anything. How you like me now? You saw me when I was down. You thought I was out. But not how you like me now. But you got to smile. You got to smile. You can smile when you're rejoicing. Look at this in Psalm 68. Psalm 68, verse 1 through 3. It says, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. I'm dealing, I'm dealing with this word, this word, alas. Let those also who hate him flee before him. Verse 2, as smoke is driven away, so drive them away. As wax melts before the fire, so let the wicked perish in the presence of God. Verse 3, but let the righteous be glad let them rejoice before God. Yes, let them rejoice. So what happens? When God arises, his enemies scatter and his people rejoice. Did you catch that? When God arises, his enemies scatters and his people rejoice. But we can also flip that. When I rejoice... He arises and his enemies scatter. You better catch how this thing works. It's cyclical. When I rejoice, the Bible, doesn't your Bible say the Lord goes, God goes up with a shout? So if you want him to rise, you gotta shout sometime. Pastor, this is too much. We this you deal with this worship and praise stuff too much, and we we know how to praise and worship God. Listen, I know, I, know, I know you might know how a little bit, but I want you to not stop till your enemies become your footstool. To that debt that's been over your head for 25 years is finally gone. To that sickness you've been dealing with for 15 years and seven months is finally gone out your life. You rejoice, he'll arise and scatter the enemies. Y'all got it. Proverbs 28, 12, when the righteous rejoice, when the righteous, how many righteous people do I have in here? Don't fool me, when the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. Now watch this word glory, Pastor Ken. This word glory is the Hebrew word tefarah. When the righteous rejoice, there is great tefara. Beauty. Some of y'all live in an ugly situation, but he said, if you would just rejoice, I'll give you beauty for ashes. I know how to turn the ugly situation around and make it beautiful. Anybody ever been there before? Don't y'all go, y'all. Some of y'all got some ugly stuff now. You better put your hand up. You... Oh, see, you know what? You may not even realize it's ugly. My bad, my bad. You may not. You, you... Some of y'all don't even realize where you are is ugly. <laughs> Be good, Pastor. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to be good. 
but sometimes you gotta, somebody got to tell you it's ugly for you to realize it's ugly. You thought that outfit was cute. To... I'm telling you, my, my wife last night, my wife is a, is a fashion, fashionista, and uh, she was getting ready to leave the house yesterday and go somewhere and had kind of thrown on an outfit. You know, you know when you're getting ready to go somewhere and you don't feel like ironing? So you're going to throw on an outfit? And she was getting ready to gather stuff, getting ready to walk out, and the kid said, Mom. Uh-uh. Oh, no. Uh-uh. No. That don't even. She, she's, oh, okay. Turn right back around. She didn't know it was ugly. Sometimes you can be living in an ugly situation and you don't know it because you're used to it. You're used to it. It's your normal. It's your comfortable. It's how your mama was. It's how your daddy was. It's how your cousin is. It's how your grandmammy is. It's how everybody in your family been like that. But it's ugly, baby. But if the righteous rejoice, how many of y'all need some more beauty in your situation right here? And some splendor. Splendor, that's shiny. Splendor's over the top. Splendor is what, what Bishop Oliver would describe and then some. It's, it's splendor, it's shiny, it's nice, splendor. Now this is, this is all from rejoicing. There's great splendor, there's glory. Beauty again. Notice this next one. Some of y'all, you may not like this one because you, you're plain Jane and you want to stay plain Jane. Finery. No, see some of y'all, finery. For sure, you and Gershwin, y'all like this. Finery. When you rejoice, he said, I'll, I'll give you some finery. In your garments and in your jewels. I'm trying to find, I better come back over here. In, your, in how you dress and how he adorns you. Nice clothes and nice jewelry. Got it into all that. Well, why in the world, when the children of Israel were leaving Egypt, God told them, go to your Egyptian people and ask them for all their clothes and all that jewelry. You and your deep religious self. God don't care nothing about clothes and jewelry, but he told them to go and get all the Egyptians' clothes and their jewelry. Put it on you and put it on your children so they can go from ugly to beauty, from ugly to splendor. I want them to get used to a different kind of dressing. I want them to get used to a different kind of living. I want, to, I want them to pop their collar every once in a while. They've been, they've been down in slavery for 400 years, but I want them to know that they are somebody, and I don't want them going. They just going to the wilderness, yeah, I know, but even in the wilderness, I want them to dress nice and smell nice and look nice because they're going to the wilderness to worship me. Oh, my God. He said they're going to the wilderness. Remember that? You know what? Is that not what God told Moses to tell Pharaoh? That they're going to the wilderness to worship me? So he said they're going to go worship. Let them get some nice clothes and some nice jewelry. Yeah. 
Lord, that's a revelation. I, I never, I never, I, I didn't see that. Boy, that, that's in the wilderness. They weren't going to a cathedral. They go out there in the wilderness to worship. He said, yeah, I know, but I want you to dress nice. If you rejoice, I'll give you finery. Um, hey, you, you, your neighbor don't like it. You get it. You y'all get this because your neighbor don't want to hear this. But anybody, y'all get it. Glory of rank, glory of rank. Glory of rank, renown. That means you're going to be somebody. If you glorify God, if you rejoice in God, he's going to make your name great. He's going to make folk know who you are. You ain't got to vaunt yourself and self-aggrandize and make you out to be somebody. God said, you glorify me. Those who honor me, I will honor. I'm going to put honor and renown. Folk going to know your name because you rejoice Glory, boasting. This, this tells me, Christopher, that how you worship will change how you live. Oh, I don't know, y'all get it. Pastor, you making this, 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 this sound too far-fetched. I'm just reading the text. I'm just reading the text. Now, I'm, I mean, I, I may not be as precision of a butcher as Bishop Oliver and Reverend Brown, but I can read. I said, hey, but can you read? Can you read? When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. How I worship will change my life. Why? Because when I give God what belongs to him, he releases what belongs to me. You missed it. Because when I give God what belongs to him, he releases what belongs to me. And not a little bit either. Because my text said, when the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. Put, put that, put that, put that uh, re- glory back up there, that, that definition. So there's great beauty and great splendor and great glory and great finery, great garments and great jewels and great ranking. Are y'all saying this? Not a little bit. Somebody shout great. Well, no, great. I mean, uh, great probably means something different. Okay. Great, the Hebrew word rav, rav, much, many, great, abundant, enough, strong. Come on with your smart self. Come on with your smart self. What you going to do with that? Read it and receive it. I'm going to read it and receive it. I'm going to read it. I'm going to rejoice it. I'm going to receive it. 
abundant, enough, strong, greater than. I, I want that greater than glory. I, I need that greater than glory. When the devil's attacking my body, I need some greater than glory. When the devil's trying to take me down, I need some greater than glory. I need some glory greater than his power. I need some glory greater than what he's doing. I need some glory greater than what the devil is, 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 is proposing. I need some glory greater than all that he's doing in my life. I need some glory greater than. Ooh, let's wrap this up. Ladies and gentlemen, please don't underestimate the power of your praise and your worship. Especially in the midst of trouble. Again, Proverbs 28 verse 12 says this, when the righteous rejoice, when the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. This glory comes when you rejoice. Paul makes a statement in the book of Philippians, chapter 4 and verse 4. Because, Pastor, I know there are times, okay, I rejoice when I got the, the keyboard and the Hammond B3 and the drums and the, and the guitar and the synthesizer and everything. And we got the praise team. And, and I rejoice because, you know, I just got my paycheck. And I rejoice because my tax refund check just came in. I rejoice because... Somebody just proposed to me. I rejoice because I just got my car. I, re I, I rejoice when things are good. But the Bible says, says Philippians 4 verse 4. It says rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Again, I will say. I wonder if Paul when he wrote this, when the Holy Ghost gave it to him, if he and the Holy Ghost knew Proverbs 28, 12. I wonder if they knew Proverbs 28, 12. The answer is yes for all you. They knew it. Paul and those guys studied these scriptures. This was already around when they came along. So Paul says, when you're dealing with stuff, he said, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I'll say rejoice. I told you that word rejoice means to react with joy. It means when, when the devil hits you with his best shot, whew, hallelujah. James 1 says, my brethren, count it all joy. When you fall in the various trials, when the devil comes against you with his best shot, you're falling into a trial, he says, count it all joy. What does he mean? React with joy. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Praise the Lord. Why? I need his glory right now. Because the glory of God is the manifested goodness of God. That trouble you're dealing with is the manifested evil of Satan. Now you can let that manifested evil of Satan keep holding you down and bogging you down and making you weary and making you anxious and making you worried and making you depressed. Or you can pause and say, you know what? I'm going to rejoice because when God comes on the scene, when the glory shows up, 
it's going to be more abundant. It's going to be more than the enemy. Greater than. So I'm going to rejoice so the glory of God can manifest right here. Are y'all hearing this today? Now let me close here. Because there's another word for glory in the Hebrew language that is akin to this word tiferah. It's the Hebrew word kabod. Kabod. The word kabod, glory, it means glory, it means honor, it means abundance. Are y'all seeing this? Abundance, it means riches, it means splendor, dignity. This is the other Hebrew word for glory that you'll see throughout the Old Testament. And it is akin to Tifera. It's glory, it's honor, it's abundance, riches, splendor, dignity. It speaks to the weighty presence of God. Now remember what we said, our key scripture, Proverbs 28, verse 12. What is it? Say it again. One more time. So when I need glory to manifest goodness and riches and abundance and dignity and splendor and beauty and, and finery, I need to do something. Now let's close in Psalm 24. In Psalm 24. Yeah. <laughs> Verse 7. When the righteous rejoice, there's great glory. There's a reason why great glory shows up. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. And there's somebody who carries this glory. The Bible says, Paul said, if the, if the, if the rulers of this world had known what they were doing, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. So the Lord is the Lord of glory. He carries his weight with him. Ah. Get, get, oh, I'm, 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 pause here. Give me um, Psalm number 65 and verse 11. Psalm 65 and verse 11. Oh, Jesus. Psalm 65 verse 11. This is, it says, you, you crown the year with what? Your, now remember, glory is the manifested goodness of God. Ah, uh, help me. Y'all, can I, can I borrow two more minutes? When in, in the 33rd chapter of Exodus, uh-huh. when, when, when Moses said, God, show me 
Somebody know the scripture. God, show me your glory. And God says, son, I got to be careful how I do that because you can't handle all of me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you stand over here behind this rock. And I'm going to put my hand over you. And I'm going to cause my goodness to pass before you. So his request was, show me your glory. God said, I got you. I'm going to show you my manifested goodness. Because God's glory is his manifested goodness. So when we read in Psalm 65 verse 11, it says you crown the year with your goodness. It means his glory is all around you. And it says in your paths drip. Tell you that, but God's going to come through dripping. He's going to come through. He's going to come through you dripping. He's going to, because he's sloshing in abundance. He's sloshing in goodness. His glory is full of his goodness. And when he shows up, he brings all of his goodness. And no matter what evil is in your life, no matter what, what destruction the devil is bringing, if you can get God to show up, his path is going to drip with abundance. So in Psalm 24 and verse 7, lift up your heads. Oh ye gates, and be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall. Now, I, I want to pause for a minute before you rejoice. Time out on your praise. Because when you read gates and doors, you can think he's talking about some big wooden gate and some big ivory door. But it is a poetic expression depicting the, the role and the authority and the placement of the saints of God. You and I are the gates. You and I are the doors. Don't nothing come in unless we let it come in. Don't nothing go out unless we let it go out. So if you and I want the glory of God to come into this church and to come into our lives and to come into our high schools and to come into our community center and to come into this city, we have to lift up our heads. Tell your neighbor, say, say neighbor, lift up your head. Lift up your head. Oh, you gate and be lifted up. You everlasting door, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord strong and mighty. Who is this king of glory? He's the Lord mighty in battle. Your mouth is the gate. Your mouth is the door. In other words, Jaquetta, if you need the king of glory to shout, to come in, all you got to do is holler. 
Watch this. Who is the king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. When the devil's trying to fight you and all your enemies are coming against you and you can't beat them on your own, just holler. Watch this, watch this. Two more verses. Then it says in verse 9, lift up your heads. All you gates. Lift up you everlasting doors and the king of glory. Now watch this last verse. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. Now there's two Meanings for the Lord of hosts. One, he's the Lord God of angel armies. Which means if you will call out to him, the angels of heaven will show up on your behalf. And they'll begin to fight for you. But there's another meaning of the Lord of hosts. If you search it down through scripture, it literally means the Lord God of financial transactions. No wonder when he shows up, there's all kind of splendor. No wonder when he shows up, there's all kind of glory. No wonder when he shows up, there's all kind of finery. No wonder when he shows up, you get new clothes. No wonder when he shows up, you get new jewelry. No wonder when he shows up, he'll give you a new house. He'll give you a new car. He'll give you a new start. No wonder when he shows up. He is the king of glory. He is the king of glory. Listen, listen, when the king of glory shows up, he's going to bust everything open. 16th chapter of Acts, Paul and Silas were in the Philippian jail. But the Bible says at midnight, they were praying and praising God. Not complaining, not crying, not calling nobody about what we're going through, not singing the blues. They were praying and praising God. And suddenly there came an earthquake and it shook the whole prison. It shook them and they reeled and rocked and they rocked and reeled. And it opened the doors of the prison and everyone's chains were loose. 
because the prison couldn't hold the glory. I said the prison couldn't hold the glory. All right, now. Everyone standing. I want to read one last thing to you. I want to show you another aspect of his glory. When this kabod, this tafar shows up. Second Chronicles 5, verse 11 through 14. This is where we hit it corporately. This is where we hit it corporately. You can do some stuff at home to change your home and your family. If you don't like the atmosphere of your, of your job, go in there early and praise God. You can shift it. Why don't you set the atmosphere? And don't let the heathens come in and beat you there and they set the atmosphere. You set it. Well, I, I know, Pastor, I go and I sprinkle some oil on that. That's good, that's good, that's good. Keep your oil. You, but you, if you got oil and no joy, it's just a slick floor and a slick room and you're going to keep slipping. But if you would get some praise. Now watch this. Can, can y'all read with me? We're going to read four verses. Ready? Read. And Come on, stay with me here. Pause. Do I have any Levites here in this singers in this house? All those of Asaph and Haman and Jedithan with their sons. The children got to praise God too. I said the children got to praise God too. Stood at the east of the altar. Come on. Close. Now, wait a minute. That white linen simply means righteousness. You're already righteous. Keep going. Having. Now, y'all remember the upper room? How many were in the upper room? Now, they weren't just sitting there well, making some noise. And when they made noise, the king of glory showed up in the upper room. We got 120. Now, they got the 120. We, we got our trumpets, right? Y'all got your trumpet? Show me your trumpet. Show me your trumpet. Show me your trumpet. When the trumpeters
Watch this. It said that when the glory filled the house, the priest could not continue ministering. You know why? Because they were no longer needed. Watch this. Once the king shows up, the glory does all the work. You ain't got to lay hands when the glory is there. You ain't got to cast out devils when the glory shows up. You ain't got to say nothing when the glory shows up. Because the glory of God does all the work. Why don't you give God a big shout with your trumpet in this place? Pastor, I'm saying that not just you personally, but on a corporate level, I want us every time we come in this place to set our thermostat on glory. That means God, we ain't gonna stop till we see your glory. God, we ain't gonna quit till we see your glory. God, we ain't gonna shut up till we see your glory. We ain't gonna stop praising, we ain't gonna stop shouting, we ain't gonna stop dancing till we see your glory. Till somebody gets healed, till somebody gets delivered, till somebody gets set free, till somebody gets saved, till somebody gets touched. Hallelujah! Grab a neighbor by the hand, look him in the eye. Grab your neighbor by the hand, look him in the eye. Say, neighbor, neighbor. From, now on, from now on, when you want the glory to show up, when you want the king of the glory to show up, don't be quiet and don't be cute. Open up your mouth and rejoice. 
rejoice in the Lord. And the King of Glory will show up right away. When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. I can make my own moment. I can make my own moment. I can make my own moment.
your own Kairos moment. When you rejoice, there is great glory. Let the glory of God hit your house. Let the glory of God hit your family. Let the glory of God hit your body. Let the glory of God hit your business. Let the glory of God hit your career. Let the glory of God change your life forever and ever and ever.